Welcome to another episode of Kicking It with Coach Red, where we've got your coverage for all your Pacific North Fresh favorite teams, from the good to the bad to the Mariners. You've got me, your boy, Coach Red, on the mic first tonight. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Coach Red. And with me, as always, my co host extraordinaire, we have Lefty france and crazy enough you can find him on twitter at lefty france yes sir today we are going to be breaking down probably one of the most competitive year in year out teams here in the pacific northwest and that is the seattle seahawks we are hitting this up right after the nfl draft we're going to be breaking down roster constructions free agency signings, draft picks, what we kind of see this roster filling out to be and giving you a little bit of a deep dive on some of these guys that you might not know a whole lot about. So why don't we start it off with free agency first, since that window opened a little bit sooner. I'm going to run down the list of names real quick of the guys that I put as key, which is basically all the guys that they brought in. I'm a stickler for details, so if I miss someone, let me know, chew me out, and I'll give you a good reason why I didn't bring them up in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, some of these guys are re-signed too, but just kind of all their signings in the free agency period. Uh, We've got Gerald Everett, tight end, formerly of the Rams. Huge pickup. Big pickup. Chris Carson, Mm re-signing. Kerry Hyder coming over from the 49ers. Carlos Dunlap as a re-sign. Benson yeah. Mayoa, also another defensive lineman as a re-sign. You got Akilo Witherspoon stealing it from the 49ers once again. You've got Pierre Desir, who has bounced around the league a little bit, originally drafted by the Browns. Seahawks had him on their practice squad, got picked up, played meaningful minutes a couple years back for the Colts. Started last year for the Jets and that dismal defense. Hopefully coming back to Seattle can get him back to that Colts time that he had. Help us win some ball games. Hopefully. <laughs> Another guy in the cornerback race, we got Demarius Randall. And then a bunch of re-signings here. Ethan Posick at center. Cedric Obwehi, swing tackle. Jordan Simmons, guard. Kyle Fuller, center. Alex Collins, running back depth, and a guy that we're going to touch on here may or may not be on the Seahawks. We're not sure yet. They're pending legal issues. Alden Smith is the other <laughs> uh, guy that they brought in in free agency. Always up missing, to something. Am I missing any big ones that you can think of, Lefty? No, I think you you covered most of the main ones, Coach Red. I think you got those guys. The, the highlights of the group are Gerald Everett coming in. Uh, you don't have Jacob Hollister on the roster anymore. Greg Olson decides to retire. Has had some decent success down with the Rams. Comes up with the new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron. So you're hoping that he can pick up some things and help that tight end room out quite a bit. 
huge signing for both of us. I know we were both uh, driving home when this news came across the wire, both fist pumping in the car. Uh, Chris Carson re-signing is huge for this team. Massive. Embodies what the Seahawks like out of the running back game. Uh, Bringing back Carlos Dunlap was huge. Late season addition once he showed up on the team and Jamal Adams got healthy again. This pass rush exploded. They were on pace for another record low year and then finished near the top of the pack with, I think, 43 sacks last year, which is a pretty decent number through the 16 games. Benson Mayo, another good piece in that when he was healthy last year. I think he had about five and a half sacks, so another good depth piece. But the real big area is corner. You lose Shaq Griffin. You bring in Akilah Witherspoon, Pierre Desir, Demarius Randall, who played um, – a lot of special teams play a little bit of safety, but they say that he's going to be switching back to corner like he played in his early years in Green Bay and also was addressed in the draft, and we will be getting there shortly. But let's go to the hot ticket item, and it's a guy that terrorized Russell in game three. I think he had three sacks on him, ended the season with about five. It's Alden Smith. Hadn't been in the year the league for a few years after – Drugs, drinking, bringing a <laughs> firearm to an airport. You know, all the above. <laughs> all the stuff that you really want out of a guy that got paid a ton of money for yeah. playing in the Bay for then the Oakland Raiders and the San Francisco 49ers. Up close and personal with this guy a lot. But the legal troubles are back in the eye right now. I'm, I'm not going to be passing judgment, especially after the Aaron Donald fiasco where – You didn't know what happened, came out a few days later that he wasn't involved, all charges dropped. With Alden Smith, it's a little bit of a different story. Charges are still there. The reason behind it, I don't think, I think might gain some leniency from from what I've read and heard. Um, He ends up getting a second degree misdemeanor for assault because of choking out a guy, but (laughs) the guy beat up Alden Smith's sister who was pregnant at the time so yeah I choked the guy out I, <laughs> I don't blame right there, the guy right there with you with with the past that he's had I don't know how the league is going to see this uh obviously still on the Seahawks roster they have not released him yet so they're waiting out the process there we will see what happens we will see Now to one of my three favorite holidays of the year behind Christmas, the 4th of July, we're going to talk about the NFL draft and the Seahawks uh, tying the modern era for least amount of draft picks in a year, which in a typical John Schneider, Pete Carroll year, you would sit there and scratch your head because they have (laughs) never picked less than eight players in the NFL draft. But With this being the COVID-shortened year, players opting out, minimal seasons, no in-person interviews, uh, remote medical evals, a lot tougher this year to really zero in on the guys that you want to target. So a lot of their picks this year were tied up in trades that were either made this offseason or the offseason before. Uh, Your first and your third rounder were involved in the Jamal Adams deal. Their fifth rounder went and acquiring Gabe Jackson for the offensive line this year. And their sixth round pick 
was uh, move up back into the seventh round last year uh, for Stefan Sullivan, who is no longer on the team, signed a futures deal with the Carolina Panthers. Scott Fitterer, the former Seahawks exec, just taking our players left and right, <laughs> taking D- David Swipe Moore as well. Him. Just just swipe or no swipe this guy. <laughs> yeah, for real. But the Seahawks were able to do some stuff in this draft. Uh, we'll start off with their first pick, which was uh, near the tail end of the second round. Uh, from what I heard, they were trying to move back a little bit and acquire some picks here. They were not able to do so. No, they were. They did move back with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did. See, you remember something every time when you're live on the mic. Yep. Would have been good research to do, but guess what? I did not do that <laughs> research. I watched it live. I lived it. But where they decided to go was wide receiver, which uh, a lot of people did not see as the highest priority with the offensive line and Russell Wilson's boisterous uh comments over the offseason on wanting to improve that offensive line and not be he hit. probably wasn't very happy with that one i think that he might have been a little happy after yeah i mean Dwayne eskridge. yeah eskridge yeah he's Russell wilson's never actually had a great three wide receiver compliment if you look over the course of time here it's been a tight end that's pretty solid and then at max two really good wide receivers the closest thing you, you've had to this, I mean, you've had Doug Baldwin on the roster, Tyler Lockett, and I think Jermaine Curse, uh, Golden Tate. When he had that yeah. roster around him, he was a younger developing guy. But here's the crazy thing. Let's talk about Dwayne Eskridge. Comes out of Western Michigan, school out of the MAC. He's five foot nine, 190 pounds, runs a 4'3", 8'40". Yeah, that's fast. He <laughs> is speedy. And how speedy is he? Uh, I saw someone tweet out that, If you have a three wide receiver set featuring DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Dwayne Eskridge, Tyler Lockett is the slowest wide receiver on the field. And that's insane to think about because of his breakaway ability and his separation potential. Um, The other thing that Dwayne Eskridge brings is kick return and punt return ability. Last year in the shortened season, he averaged 213 all-purpose yards a game. So the guy can chew up yards. Um, Should fit in well, should fit that wide receiver three role early on. A good thing about him is he could play inside or out. Uh, Even though being a little bit smaller, he's a hair shorter than Tyler Lockett, but it gives you that versatility to move Lockett all over around the field and as you know, the Seahawks love motioning guys back and forth, and shocker, so does Shane Waldron. So be interested to see how these pieces fit together, but this gives Russell Wilson a bona fide number three wide receiver, especially picking him up in the second round. That's going to be a scary offense for sure. I'm scary. excited. If they can protect Russ, I think they'll, so they'll think, score a lot of points. Let's go to the fourth round. You know, let's Russell Wilson wants some offensive line, so what do you do? Go attack the cornerback position. You're other <laughs> Uh, which they they do with the guy that's kind of outside the realm of a typical John Schneider, Pete Carroll guy. They go with Trey Brown out of Oklahoma, five foot 10, 185 pounds, four, 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 40, still some pretty good speed there. And in the post draft press conference, they, you figure that size. Okay, perfect. He's going to be fighting with 
who, with Ugo Amadi or whoever else at that slot cornerback position, you would be wrong because Pete Carroll and John Schneider say they envision him on the outside. DJ Reed coming in last year and playing so well at a smaller stature, five seven five eight, uh, might be bucking the trend for the Seahawks, who typically prefer the six one six foot plus guys, long arms. Uh, yeah. The one thing that Trey Brown brings is he is scrappy, and he can get a little handsy with wide receivers. He has a little bit of a problem, you know, putting his hands on him a little too early. Shocker, so does every other Seahawks cornerback that's ever played the game under Pete Carroll, Mm -hmm. uh, but has good shadowing ability. Um, Inter see how he fits in this competition. It is going to be a dogfight at corner, and they haven't spent the big, big bucks. Akilah Willerspoon is probably the biggest money at – five mil a year which is pretty minimal for the cornerback position so be interesting to see how this all shakes out at the end someone's someone's gotta make a name for themselves come on like they just gotta step up and be that guy speaking of making a name for yourself let's go to one of the better names that was in the (laughs) nfl draft and it's someone that the seahawks selected they uh picked up an extra pick from tampa bay and then ended up uh, trading that sixth round pick along with their own seventh to move up for a guy that for some was seen as a top 50 player, um, but definitely shouldn't have slid to the sixth round. And that is Stone Forsyth out of Florida. What a name. And the guy looks like he's about made of stone because he's (laughs) six foot, eight inches tall, 307 pounds, so you think, all right, that's like a big, brick. It's a big boy. So, yeah, he also runs a five one four forty. So, still got he can still move a little bit. Yeah. Um, build as more of a pass protector. Uh, not really seen as that mauling run type guy, but in five hundred and thirteen pass blocking snaps at Florida, playing with that complement of talents where kind of fits in pretty well here with that trio of wideouts we just talked about last yep. year he had Kyle Pitts Kadarius Tony and was protecting for Kyle Trask who was a second round quarterback taken off the board so in that Florida offense gave up two sacks and over 500 pass blocking snaps so should should slot in well you know can learn from Dwayne Brown I know that he is not much longer for the league so it'll be interesting to see how he develops or whether the Seahawks are going back into the draft pool again next year to find another tackle to potentially replace both sides of the lines yeah. like you got Dwayne Brown on his last year and he signed Brandon Shell to a two-year deal so you got some potential holes coming up but let's talk about where there's not a hole where someone thought there was going to be a hole all year nothing materialized we've gotten a little bit more clarity on the subject as the offseason has went on lefty france why don't you take us into the quarterback room the qbs so we got our qb1 the one the only russ wilson and russ we trust dangerous yep he finished last season top 10 in passing um Second in passing touchdowns behind Rodgers. And he did finish third in interceptions. 
Not a typical Russell Wilson. Here. Not typical at all. Can you guess who he was behind? Ooh, behind in the interception game. Well, Jameis Winston did not play enough snaps no. last year to qualify. He, he did not. Ooh, give me, give me AFC or NFC. One's AFC. Ooh, one is in the AFC. Sam Darnold. No. Ooh. We got Drew Locke and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was first and then Locke. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a tough year for Russ with the interceptions. He was looking good at the beginning of the season and then midway kind of started. Ran in, they ran into some defenses. Yeah, they ran into good defenses and they caused him to turn the ball over a lot. And that's when Pete went to the run game he said sorry russ you're not cooking no more russ russ is cooked now we need to put the rest of the season in the warmer yeah i mean it was nice uh to have my fantasy team for the first couple weeks and then you watch it diminish but still love russ and then we got geno smith that can just he's the best coin toss caller i guess since, since tavaris jackson yeah R.I.P. Tavares. <laughs> but yeah, we got Gino backing up Russ. Really hope that he doesn't have to go in at any time. <laughs> Only if we're up big. And then we got Danny Etling. One year of experience. We claimed him off the waivers in August out of LSU. And then Alex Magoo. Another that's a cool last name. Magoo. That's a great last name. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one year of experience. He signed on the Hawks practice squad back in December, but he was the only quarterback besides Russell Wilson, uh, that the Hawks have drafted, which is pretty crazy ever. Yeah. No, no. Just under Pete Carroll and yeah, just under Pete and John, but yeah, it's, we'll see if Magoo ever turns into anything, but for now we got Russ going. He's going on his 10th year though, which is pretty insane. I know. It just seems like yesterday he was, you know, just being that game manager leading you to Super Bowls and all it's, that oh, stuff. And it's been a while. Days. It has been a while. Here's, here's one thing I want to get your opinion on with Russell Wilson. Uh, obviously last year they wanted to augment more towards the run game as the season went on. You look at the Rams in their Super Bowl year, they're predicated on the run. But Jared Goff that year still had over 4,000 yards passing. Do you think with the line as it's constructed, the quarterback play and the running backs, wide receivers you have on this team, the skill positions, that they can surpass what was done with that young Jared Goff, Todd Gurley type of offense? Or do you think there's going to be more growing pains than people anticipate? I think at the beginning there will be those growing pains. But, I mean, I'd rather those happen early on than later in the season where you're like, okay, what's going on here? You know, we're six, seven games in, you know, halfway through the season. And these guys just aren't doing it. But I I don't know. I have faith. I think the offense could be deadly if – they're all if they all get on the same page and just have that chemistry you know and like you're saying the three three 
true receivers. Three-headed monster. Yeah, what, and then Chris Carson it, in the backfield. It's it. yeah, I I really like that, and I think it's scary for defenses. And yeah, I just I mean I mean might be a little biased because I like love the Hawks, but I I think that they'll they'll be a, a scary offense for sure. I agree, and a lot of that's gonna go based on how the offensive line goes, which is the next group that we're going to get into. Uh, I'll go from the starters from the left side to the right side. And for those of you that listen to the uh, post-draft press conference, you might know this, but not everyone does because I had to double check it before this episode. But starting from left to right, you've got Dwayne Brown at left tackle, left guard, Damian Lewis, Center, Ethan Posick, right guard, Gabe Jackson, and right tackle, Brandon Shell. The kind of shocker there is Damian Lewis moving to the left side. And I think, in my mind, it's a very smart idea because he's going into his second year. You put him next to one of the better veterans in the league in Dwayne Brown. And Brandon Shell is still fairly young in the league, was off his rookie deal, signed a two-year deal, and you put him next to a guy who's been a pro bowler before in Gabe Jackson. So now you've got Damian Lewis, rookie all-pro last year. Not the all-pro team, but made the rookie all-pro team mm-hmm. at guard. You got Gabe Jackson, who has a lot of experience. And Ethan Posick, when he was healthy at the beginning of the year, played just fine. And I think that everyone was over-talking the – we need a new center point and everyone that was clamoring and Russ himself that said, Hey, let's get all these new guys. Well, basically you remove the ghost of Mikey potty who was playing very subpar and couldn't even play full games. Half the time yeah. was put in time with Jordan Simmons, who the Seahawks resigned, but getting Gabe Jackson there should help and post like another year of just playing center and not moving him all around the field should help out as well. Was I a little bitter when Creed Humphreys, the mean center from Oklahoma, was still <laughs> on the board at uh, the Seahawks' second round pick, and they didn't take him a little bit? But I have I have likened myself to Dwayne Eskridge. I'm Shout pretty out. sure I saw a stat for, about Creed, and it was he dropped back like 133 times, or like had 133 pass blocking attempts and didn't allow one sack. Yeah, don't remind me. Something crazy like that. That's that's insane. Like, why are the Hawks not grabbing him? Why did he why? last till the third round? I, yeah. That's a great question. I don't is, have an answer. Yeah. yeah congratulations, you, Kansas City. You had an awesome draft for how little capital you had. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a fan of you. I hope that you run out of money really soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about the backups. Um, some of these guys were re-signed. Some are still on the squad. Uh, and some were drafted. So you got Cedric Obwehi. He's your current swing tackle. Uh, filled in on the right side for Brandon Shell when he was injured last year. Former first-round pick by the Bengals. Played a little bit for the Jaguars. I thought he played fairly well for for a backup right tackle played well in the games that he had to come in. Uh, you have Jamarco Jones who can fill in at guard or left tackle for you. He's been on the squad now. I think this is year three. 
big body guy out of Ohio State. Might be the guy after um, Dwayne Brown, but I think that he's a little bit heavy footed and it's not going to deal with that pass rush as well, especially being that left tackle, but can fill in when needed. Jordan Simmons, oft injured in college, oft injured in the NFL, but when he's played, I thought he's done surprisingly well. Um, first year that we had him, had to start at right guard for DJ Fluker, I believe, against the Rams and held up extremely well against Aaron Donald. I don't think the Seahawks, that that's one of the only games that Aaron Donald did not get a sack against Russell Wilson. So big kudos to Jordan Simmons. Another guy that drafted a couple of years ago, big, mean Mahler, got him, I think, in the sixth round. Phil Haynes out of Wake Forest has just not been healthy his entire career so far. Hopefully he gets off the injury train. Love to see what he could do on the field. Backup center, Kyle Fuller resigns. So a little bit of depth there. And then the draft pick who we talked about already, the man made of rocks, Stone. <laughs> Stone. Sounds um, like a WWE wrestler. The Stone funny Cold. thing that you should awesome. bring that up because <laughs> – um stone forsyth he i think last year was standing next to his locker and uh copied the dwayne the rock johnson picture of him with the hair kind of i up did with see that turtleneck yes. yeah 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 he pulled it off so stone if you don't work out for the seahawks go ahead and hit up the rock see if you can make your way into wwe and then making some <laughs> some uh marginally good movies stone cold stone forsyth the second <laughs> crazy a little bit bigger yeah just a hair right so touched on the offensive line there kind of giving you a rundown of who's all on the team now let's we've already talked about russell wilson who they'll be protecting but uh lefty why don't you take us to the guys who that offensive line will be opening up the holes for bring us into the running back room i'm thinking arby's over here uh, we got Chris. Where's the Carson. beef? Yeah, where is the beef? We got Chris Carson. We, oh, the re-signing, like we were talking about, just was massive. It was a huge sign for them. We needed him back. I mean, he was he got hurt last year and was off and on. I'd like to see him stay healthy throughout the season. Uh, he's just a beast, man. Like he flies over runs, people yeah he runs through people like he's a good pass catcher as well like he can catch out of the backfield which is something that you need and um yeah i just think he's gonna be a, a huge piece for them it'd be cool to see him get at least a one 100 yard rushing game this <laughs> next season that'd be nice yes um but yeah and then we got alex collins uh he resigned back in february he does have a grill in his individual photo. He's wearing a grill, which is just baller. And like he, he just, does the Irish step dancing. Yes, exactly. Probably with the grill in yeah. too. Like that's sweet. Um, he had two touchdowns last year. Best game was week 10 against the Rams. He had 11 carries for, I think like 48 yards. And a touch. Uh, yep. And then we got DJ Dallas. He played a couple games for us. He, week eight against the Niners, had a rushing and a receiving touchdown, which was a big game for him. He 
ended the season with three touchdowns. And so one game, he had over half of them. Um, then we've got Travis Homer, Rashad Penny. Both guys can be very good at times. Penny, it'd be nice to see him stay healthy and actually get out there and be and, that third down back. And, and be like a first round pick. It, yeah, like yeah, like we drafted him for, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of who we got. We got Nick Ballore. Can't forget him at Don't fullback. forget about him. Sorry. Sorry, Nick. Uh, NFC Pro Bowl or special teams. And yeah, that, that kind of wraps up our, our Arby's. Where's the beef? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that Chris Carson's going to be a huge piece for them. I couldn't agree more. Now let's go to the tight end room. Be breaking it down. Uh, start with the big signing of Gerald Everett. More of that H-back or flex tight end, more of a pass catcher. He was actually the first draft pick of Sean McVay because they didn't have a first-round pick, was taken in the oh. second round out of South Alabama. <laughs> well, that's just off the top of the head, everybody. I don't need notes for this one. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, but Gerald Everett, uh, split time with Tyler Higby, so you know he's getting a timeshare. Um, more of a pure pass catcher than Will Disley, who's our other established guy in the tight end room. Will Disley has shown his rookie and second year that he can be a big-time pass catcher. Last year, coming back from injury the previous two years, uh, mixed reviews, and it seemed like they weren't hitting the tight end as much as they did historically in the past. Russell was really focusing on the outside, which is why you – had some big time numbers out of your wide receivers yeah um another guy that made the team last year was fifth round pick out of stanford six seven colby parkinson believe he only caught one or two passes on the year started off the year on the physically able unable to perform list so be interested to see with full camp what he can do he brings a different dynamic because the guy is huge he's six foot seven i watched him terrorize the pac 12 for years i hated him when i would watch the husky games because he could just pluck balls out of the air yeah that's a big dude yeah big dude last guy i'm gonna bring up uh I don't think he got above the practice squad last year, but signed a futures contract. And his name is uh, Tyler Mabry. Big time bruising blocking tight end. So if he makes the squad, you probably see him heavy on special teams, especially on like those punt uh, field goal units. Or if you really just want to get nasty and you've got the ball down the goal line, you don't want to bring in extra linemen, you want to go double tight, having Will Disley on one side and Tyler Mayberry on the other is not something I would like to see as an opposing defensive player yeah. because there's a lot of nasty in that <laughs> uh, between the two of them. And since we touched on a little bit of the wide receivers, lefty take us into that diva, well, sorry, wide receiver room. Yeah, yeah. So we got DK the man is he good uh, he's he's kind of good he's a, he's kind of small i mean a little tiny yeah I mean, going i going. could probably bench press him but you know it's it's okay uh he finished top 10 in the in receiving yards last season and in receiving touchdowns him and lockett actually tied for eighth with most touchdowns out of the receivers which 
is a is a cool thing, you know. Yeah. Seeing him and Lockett up there means they were scoring scoring points. But yeah, then we got Lockett. Um, just he's just fast, man. Like, and Great he can separation. Catch, he can catch everything, you know. Like he had he gets in Russell Wilson's mind and scramble drills. I don't know how he gets. Yeah. There. He just starts communicating <laughs> telepathically. Like, hey, I'm just gonna run to this spot. Just throw it. Throw there. it. Yeah, exactly. And like he just makes catches where you're just mind blown when when he does. And it, it, you shouldn't be because he does it consistently. It's I mean, like he's had some of the most ridiculous catches, like over the shoulder, falling to the sideline, yeah. doesn't see the ball for half a second. A couple two years ago, that toe tap on Thursday night yep. against the Rams, where there was like a one percent chance of it getting completed. Yeah. The guy's just crazy with his footwork. He is crazy. Yeah, and then we got Freddie Swain and then Dwayne Eskridge. To wrap up the uh, the old WRs out there, Freddie Swain, two years of experience. I'd like to see him kind of be that key piece for them, like that can come in and make score a few touchdowns and clutch catch guy. Exactly, yeah, like a Jermaine Curse. Yes, Jermaine. Even more, yeah, fill that role. Yeah, and then Dwayne Eskridge, like you're saying, a four three forty. Yeah. that's fast. That's fast. But that'll just be a huge piece for for us and another weapon to to cook. Let Russ cook, man. Yep. Oh, and then we got John Arsua. Can't forget him. Hawaiian. Don't have much to say about him. He's, He's caught one pass in his career. Yeah. He's about hey. a yard short from from breaking the line. I guarantee he's got last that game ball. of the year. He's got right. that ball in a case, ready, signed, dated, <laughs> framed. But yeah, then who you got now? We got all right. I know that I said that we wouldn't really touch on undrafted guys, but I do need to touch on one oh. undrafted wide receiver. He was a guy that I fell in love with in the draft process. His name is Tamarian Terry. He's six foot four, just over 200 pounds at Florida State. When you watch his highlight film, once he gets to stride, there's times where he has a little bit of trouble getting going at the beginning. But once the guy hits stride, he can absolutely fly. Uh, watched a uh, sluggo slant and go route with him where he takes two steps to the inside. Corner bites on that, beats him, uh, catches the ball up the right sideline, and a safety just has the perfect angle on him. And what does he do? He just absolutely outruns him. He can catch the bubble screen, make guy miss, get get up to top speed and get going. Seen him catch the ball in traffic a little bit. The area that he the reason probably why he didn't get undrafted a little bit slighter on the frame at six foot four. I think he's right at about two Oh five. So pretty lean guy for a guy that's six foot four. He does struggle at times on high pointing a ball and coming down with it in those heavy traffic things. And he's had a bit of the drops. So I'm hoping that he can go the route of another undrafted free agent that the Seahawks turned in that had a case of the drops when he was in college being Jermaine curse. How imposing would it be? It's third down and five 
You're at the five-yard line. Mm-hmm. Third and goal from the five. On the left-hand side, you have DK Metcalf. On the right-hand side, you have Tamari and Terry. At tight end, you have six foot seven Colby Parkinson. Yeah, and then you got Tyler Slock, Tyler Lockett running the slot. That's a bunch of size. And then Tyler Lockett giving him the freedom to Just, do whatever yeah. he wants to do. It could be a scary red zone offense with that type of size and go get up ability. Yeah. That that'll look good. Love you, Tamarian. If you want to join the show, let me know. You can reach me at the real coach red. I've got nothing but love for you from the Florida State days. Get in here. And then we also, hey, we got Connor Weddington too. Sumner Boy. Undrafted. Yep. The Loke. The Loke. We just had to give him some love. Welcome back to the PN Pacific North Fresh. Welcome back. But yeah, great. He's a receiver, but also has very great kick returning ability and should be a special teams monster for us. He'll be he'll be big. Yeah. Who oh do we want to go to the special teams? No, we're not going there yet. Let's start with the defense. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. From one of my other shows that I've been on, we're not going to the kicking corner just yet. (laughs) Uh I'll start it off with the defensive line. Um a little bit of turnover this year. Uh, wanted to restructure the deal for Jaron Reed. He was not having it, so uh, they grant him his release. He's off to the Chiefs. Adios. Don't let me talk about that yeah. team anymore because their defensive line is very scary. And two, two of the four are former Seahawks. So let's just <laughs> not talk about the Chiefs anymore. Yeah. But, Let's talk about the Seahawks. I'll go with um, the guys who I think are the projected starters, then work my way into the role players. You got Carlos Dunlap coming back on a two-year deal. Pass rush ignited. I think he had five and a half sacks with the Seahawks. Really about that fire. On the inside, you've got Puna Ford, who another undrafted steal ends up getting a two-year deal. Um, undersized for the position but has long arms and plays the run extremely well and is pretty darn athletic and can make some plays in the pass rushing game resign al woods big time run stuffer in the middle on the outside i'm gonna throw in two guys i'm gonna give ben Simeo some love because i think that he might take that first snap uh being a longer term seahawk and still feels a fills a good void there in that spot. But also I bring up Kerry Hyder because you signed him to a couple year deal. It's actually a pretty modest deal for a guy that had eight and a half sacks last year for the 49ers. Our more depth guys. Now, Brian Monet is really the only other guy that you have that has inside experience. Another guy I think you might be able to throw in there who was actually uh, signed with the Seahawks on day one of the NFL draft. So we're going to call him their first round pick, a former first round Mm -hmm. pick, uh, Robert Nkendiche, former guy out of Old Miss. Had all the physical tools in the world, but never really put it together. And you know that Pete Carroll loves first round reclamation projects. So I hope that they can get some good play out of him. Um. Now let's go to your pass rushers. Um, I'm just going to gloss over Alden Smith, not knowing his future, and we kind of already touched on him. But the other guys you've got, you've got LJ Collier, former first-round pick for the Seahawks, and a guy that could 
be that versatile outside inside guy on passing downs, play that inside because he actually does play the run really well, was integral in week two in shooting the gap, undercutting Cam Newton so that other guys could make the play. He was one of the key aspects of that win for the Seahawks there at the end. Then we go with a guy that was in the same draft class, Rasheen Green, who has had trouble staying healthy, has shown flashes when he's been on the field of being a very competent guy that can get after the passer and also play the run pretty well, but health's going to be the biggest concern. I see him as one of the guys that's probably on the roster bubble right now as everything stands. And then let's go to our two edge rushers that we drafted last year, one that played pretty well for the Seahawks fifth round pick out of Syracuse. And that was Alvin Robinson. Um, his comparison coming out of college, which it's a lofty comparison, but they said he played very similar to Cliff Averill. Well, shocker once, but even during the draft process last year, he was training with Cliff Averill <laughs> and guess who still lives in the Pacific Northwest Cliff Averill, yeah. probably best friends. So if Alton Robinson can have a career trajectory like Cliff Averill, I will take it. Yeah. And the guy, Uncle the biggest Cliff. mystery, the biggest mystery, this guy is Ben Stiller in the mystery man here because he is the biggest mystery on this team, and that is Daryl Taylor. Selected him in the second round. Uh, the possibility he could have been a first-round pick last year if it wasn't for uh, – knee injury in college that the medicals people weren't feeling great about Seahawks got him in before COVID shut everything down, checked his medicals actually didn't play at all last year. Finally was able to ramp up right around playoff time. If the Seahawks would have made it past the first round of the playoffs potential that he could have got some play time on the field, but it'll be really interesting to see how he develops. He's got good bend, got good speed, got good burst off the edge, but that's just what I've heard from from the pundits and the scouts, I want to see it in the NFL. We're not playing the SEC anymore, boys. It's it's mm -hmm. the NFL. Yeah, it is. Oh, let's see what you can do. Now let's go to that uh, second line of defense and head over to the linebacker room. Yeah, for the backers, we got Bobby. Bobby Wagner. I just love the way Bobby plays. He you just love guys that get 100 tackles a year. Yeah, I mean. Put it, put it in Sharpie. Exactly. Yeah, for real and he just you can just tell he loves the game like he just plays hard and i mean he's smart he's so smart so smart he's that he's the field general for him honestly and it's he's a big piece to that defense and he's got a lot of experience for sure but yeah he also finished top 10 tackles and top 20 in solo tackles so shocker I mean, that's what you need you need that. Then we got Ben Burkirvan. Uh, didn't play a ton. Uh, special a teams. Tackles. Stud, yeah. yeah, he is a good special teams guy. Love his potential. Um, and then Jordan Brooks also played all right. Played a little Came bit. on at the end of the year. Yeah, towards the end of the year came in. But yeah, he, he could be very good for him as well. He's still young. I think he's in his what second year? This will be his second year. Second first year. round pick last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Texas Tech. And so, uh, yeah, you just he he's is learning from the right guy, like from Bobby. Honestly, being yeah. the young guy and having Bobby in the locker room, and and he can close, dude. The dude has wheels. Mm-hmm. And 
you need those guys. You need them. Um, and then we got Cody Barton. He, I highlighted this week five against the Vikings did have 14 total tackles and did nothing after that, which was sad, but I had to highlight, give him that shout out for the 14 tackles. He's a former, uh, I believe it was a second or a third round pick and plays that Mm -hmm. old school type of linebacker play. Um, Could be that fill in for KJ Wright if he's not re-signed. So a lot of potential there. But yeah, that that sums up those those backers. And who we got in the secondary, Coach Red? Secondary. All right, let's start with the area that makes everyone a little bit nervous, and then I'll take everyone to the area that should make nobody nervous. So let's start with the corners. Um, DJ Reed uh, came in signed him off of waivers, actually claimed him off waivers from the 49ers, had a torn pec in the off season. And the 49ers were trying to re-sign him after the first round. If you're not claimed on waivers, you can get re-signed afterwards and go on to the physically unable to perform list. Well, the Seahawks claimed him and didn't put him on there. He came back way quicker than anticipated. I think it was six weeks instead of the eight weeks that it would typically take injuries popped up for the Seahawks with Quentin Dunbar and with Shaquille Griffin and DJ Reed worked his way into the starting lineup and did not let go of it. Not a typical Pete Carroll, John Schneider guy, smaller, smaller type, but had a couple interceptions last year, one against his former team, which was just phenomenal to see. He was so hyped (laughs) and he brings some very good burst ability in the punt return game. He had quite a few returns that just made, made your eyes pop out a little bit. Made you feel I want to see that Devin Hester kind of guy, you know? I want to see that. That You don't see much of it anymore. And It's going to be awesome to see who ends up being the punt returner between him and Eskridge because I think it's a battle. I mean, kick return, having both these guys out there would be sweet. Yeah. I would take it. I'd love uh, to see a couple kick kicks to the house. I love house calls. Oh, yeah. They're the best. All right, now let's go to our other cornerback spot, which basically going to name everybody else on the team because that <laughs> plays corner might think that they want to play corner because I'm not sure who it's going to be just yet. Uh, we'll start with Very... the man, Akilah Witherspoon. Uh, was actually taken in the same draft as Shaquille Griffin, but was taken at pick 43 where Shaq Griffin was taken at 93. So, 49ers thought that he was about 50 picks better than Shaq Griffin. Has had some injury troubles. Has had some ups and downs. Interesting to see. Relatively young. Hasn't made a name for himself. So, perfect guy for Pete and that defensive back coaches that they could sit there and hopefully feel like they can mold up a little bit into that prototypical Seahawks corner. You got Trey Flowers, former converted safety that – has been a corner now for this be year three or four year four I believe played well his rookie year sophomore year was not as good last year when he came in had a couple of rough spots but I felt like as the year went on he played a lot better had to come in anytime there was injury was that next guy up 
Speaking of converted safeties, let's go to Demarius Randall, who was on the team last year, got signed after Jamal Adams had got banged up and basically just played special teams for us. So was a former corner for the Packers early in his career. Interesting to see how he'll paint out there. Pierre Desir is also on the squad. I already kind of went a deep dive on him earlier in the episode. And then you got Ugo Amadi, who for me right now slots in as your slot corner. Played actually really well for me later in the year. Really good at closing down. Had quite a few pass breakups. I think in that uh, last regular season game against the Rams, I think he had three pass deflections. The guy was just humming over the field, really coming into his own through year two. But let's go to the money makers. Let's go to the safety position because this is where the Seahawks have an edge on quite a few people in the league. Yes. yes. You have two guys that made the Pro Bowl last year, one that's been an all-pro a couple times in Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs led the team in interceptions with five. Jamal Adams led the team in sacks with nine and a half. <laughs> You also have a guy that there was a lot of high hopes for going into last year, but unfortunately ACL took him out in week two, and that was Marquise Blair, a guy that they took in the second round a couple years ago from the University of Utah, played on that same defense with Cody Barton. guy that everyone that I listened to said he had one of the better preseasons last year. Poised to really break out. Interesting to see what he does this year. And then you've got Ryan Neal, guy that was on the practice squad, came in, had a game-clinching interception against Dak Prescott in week three, filled in very well while Jamal Adams uh, was dealing with, I think it was hip or hernia. Something. Something like that. But played pretty well. And with – this complement of safeties that you have something that I've thrown out there a few times is when it's a third down in a passing situation, I would love nothing more than, all right, you want to bring Ugo Amadi on the field. That's great. Let's take off. Let's take off Cody Barton. Who's probably not the best coverage linebacker. Let's put Marquise Blair on the field, put him at safety, put him at strong, keep Quandre at free bump down. You know, take off Jordan Brooks too. Bring on, bring on Ugo. Drop, drop Jamal Adams into the box. Have him and Bobby Wagner, your two fiercest guys on defense, yes. sitting in the middle. Yes. Both can rush the passer. Both can play adequate coverage. You become a bandit defense. Like you're gonna get the sack. Or you might get the pick because you have yep. so much speed on the field and with that versatility and taking off two linebackers potentially and bringing on, bringing on a Marquise Blair who people rave about and Ugo Hamadi who is a big upward trend for me, especially as the year went on last year. That could be crazy. Let's the quarterbacks crazy. will be S in their P's. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and then you throw in, okay, let's let's just let's just run this. Um defensive line out there all right let's put carlos dunlap let's bump carrie Hyder inside let's bump lj collier inside and let's put you know benson mayo or alan smith on the other side i i think there's going to be a little bit of pressure for the opposing quarterbacks yeah yes indeed i know you've been yearning to go to the corner <laughs> lefty 
So let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go to the kickers, kickers, punters, and other specialty players corner. So yeah, we, we got the specialist. <laughs> the specialist. We got Jason Myers. Whew. Just love to see him. When we lost Hauschka, automatic. Yeah. When we lost Hauschka, I was like, okay, we'll see. And then we bring Jason Myers in. And yeah, 24 for 24. And that's what you need. What that's why he's getting paid the big bucks. <laughs> and then we got it punter Michael Dixon out of Texas. I would give him the out of Australia. Yes. By, yes. by way but, of Texas. Yes. Hook him horns out of Australia. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's got a boot on him. Just just a cannon for a leg, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he's I would give him the coffin corner award. And then the man that does it all for him. He he's the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Tyler Ott, the long snapper. If it wasn't for him, he, the ball couldn't get to you. No, either. exactly. Exactly. You have to give him credit where credit is due. He is also number 69, which, <laughs> all right, that's nice. Nice. I think it should be a rule that all long snappers are required to be number 69. <laughs> like, just submit so, it to the rule committee yes, next year. I will, because they just adjusted the, uh, the jersey numbers and everything else. They should just tweak it a little bit, say LS only 69. Nice. But yeah, that kind of uh, wraps up the the mains for me. I mean, we got Connor Weddington that we got off undrafted free agent. Um, could be a big Ballore. Yeah, Ballore. Yeah, exactly. We got Cody Ballore. Barton and Ben Burkerman are also specialty yeah. mavens. For sure. Cody Barton lays hat on kick coverage. Yep. And Ballore was the NSC Pro Bowl <laughs> special teams guy, you know? It's you got to have a good special teams to be a good team, you know, and it just, it helps. It helps because they're, you're not scared if we're kicking off and someone's going to take it to take it to the house. You know, I, I don't feel that when we are kicking off and that's a good feeling, you know, (laughs) you just need that much improved last year. Much improved. Well, that wraps up everybody that's on the team. Uh, Seahawks still kind of giving themselves some room with the uh, cap ramifications this year. They still have a couple of guys with big contracts or big cap hit numbers this year that they haven't had to do anything with yet. Uh, you would assume that an extension's coming for Jamal Adams any day now, now that we're out of the draft bring down his cap number from 9 million or so and put a little bit more on the books, probably be able to drop it down to around four with his extension. You haven't touched Bobby Wagner's contract. You haven't touched Russell Wilson's contract by moving some money around to lower the cap hit this year. So that leaves them that with that post June 1st, when people can cut them and save a whole lot of cap ramifications, you could see the Seahawks be major players there or something. This is a, Coach Red coming in hot from left field here. Mm -hmm. Two former Seahawks that are still out there 
unsigned free agents, one that played for the Seahawks this last year and has played here his whole career, and that's K.J. Wright. Yes. And also there's been more and more hubbub about Richard Sherman has narrowed it down to four teams, and the Seahawks are one of those teams. Bring him back. Bring him back. Let's start with Richard Sherman before we get into KJ. Richard Sherman uh, injured last year, but the previous two years played extremely well, was a pro bowler's first year down with the 49ers. I think if the money's right and they feel like he's a better option than what they have at cornerback two right now, a one- or two-year deal is right up the alley because Richard Sherman, from everything I've heard too, is just a great teacher. And just think about the juice that would be in that defensive backfield with DJ Reed, who is just like a little mighty mouse pinball wizard out there, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and Richard Sherman. You think that that Jamal Adams and Richard Sherman could get each other fired up just a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then let's go to KJ. I mean, one of the areas that he wanted to go in free agency was he wanted to reunite with Dan Quinn down in Dallas. I think that's off the board right now. Has to be. I'd like to see KJ come back. The the Cowboys have Jalen Smith already on the team and Leighton Vander Esch. Jalen mm-hmm. Smith signed the extension. Vander Esch, this is this will be his fourth year. But what did they do? First round, take a linebacker, Micah Parsons. Fourth yeah. round, take Jabril Cox, who is very similar to KJ Wright. Do you think KJ Wright's gonna want to go to fight for no. time with a bunch of young bucks? I don't think so. Nope. Bring so, him back. Bring him back. He's a he's a he's a you know, a four, three outside linebacker, not going to be that rush in. So that takes about half the teams in the league off the board for him, I think. And you would hope that they can work something out to bring him back because he's been an integral piece for this team for a lot of years. And last year got after, got after the quarterback decently Mm -hmm. had a, had an interception or two, but Oh my God, if he didn't make some splash hits, Kyle use check over the middle light up blowing up blockers, getting screens, knocked down the backfield. I felt last year was KJ Wright's most splashiest year on the defensive side. I feel like him and Bobby really feed off of each other too when they're out there. And it's, I mean, it's obviously experience, but I just, that's another reason why they need to bring him back. Like, I feel like it's not the Seahawks defense if it's not Bobby and KJ, you know? Yeah. I've, I got to hope that they've got to be – they've had to have kept in contact with him. Yeah. You would assume that this would be <clears throat> a position where – I know that you probably feel pretty confident because you didn't address linebacker in the draft. They might have gotten an undrafted free agent, but that guy's not going to hold a candle to what K.J. Wright can bring to this team, not only with his play but as an emotional leader. Just you've got guys at that point at every level – who are big time emotional guys. Yeah. I would say that you've got like a Puna Ford, Carlos Dunlap that can get pretty fired up, KJ and Bobby in the middle. And then if you've got Sherman and Adams on the field, yeah. I don't, I mean, you wouldn't need, 
I know we all want to get back in the stadium, but you wouldn't need the noise from the 12s because this defense would be loud. They would be popping. The juices would be flowing off that defense. They would probably be dripping in swag. Yeah. The drip would just be too much, too much. I mean, that one guy makes a play, and that whole defense is humming. You yep. guarantee it with those guys on the field. Yes, sir. I think that basically wraps up yeah. wraps up the the Seahawks episode. We'll be we'll be touching on them again uh, during the season preseason all that jazz and probably hit on them again after that june 1st after we get a little bit more movement or if anything big happens we'll be sure to pepper it into one of our uh episodes where we might be talking about a few different things which brings me to our next episode we've talked about the sounders we've talked about the mariners in the past probably give you a little dual episode where we talk about both of them because you want to know what sharing is caring so we're going to share the episode between the two of them dual weld do a weld episode of them. Yep. But that's going to wrap it up for us here tonight. Uh, hit us up, social media, yeah. Twitter, at The Real Coach Red, at Lefty France. We are here for you guys. Give us any recommendations, people you want to know more about, some more in depth things that you want to go over for any of these specific northwest teams we love them yes you love them let's talk about them let's do it that's gonna do it for us here at kicking it with coach red stay fresh see ya